Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. When you have a moment, please visit us at consumerguide.com. While you are there, check out our 2021 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new vehicle. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide. We do drive a lot of them, plus all sorts of other fun automotive stuff. And if you've missed an episode or two of the podcast, you can stream back shows right there on our homepage. If you have questions or comments for the crew, please contact us at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let us, uh, let's see who's online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. She is Jill Seminello. Hey, Jill. Hello. Jill. Yes. This is the third happiest day of my life. Did you pay off all of your student loans or your daughter's student loans or why is it the third happiest day of your life? Because student loans for me were like, that was probably my happiest day. No, no. <laughs> they just put Diet Pepsi in the vending machine in our building. Oh, so um, what are your first and second happiest days? Because I'm guessing they getting married, your wife and daughter. <laughs> yeah, getting married, daughter born, Diet Pepsi in the vending machine. That seems a logical progression there. I didn't think of those things. I had Blues Brothers premiere and, <laughs> uh -oh. and, and Burger King launching the Impossible Whopper. Oh. Uh, so hopefully um, your wife and daughter do not listen to the show. <laughs> they don't. I don't think that they would be very happy <laughs> by hearing that they, they are listen. first, second, or third. <laughs> not only don't they listen, they make a point of telling me they're not listening. Ah, ah. Mm. So. Yeah. All right. Hey, he's the senior editor here at Consumer Guide, and he knows all the lyrics to Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Welcome, Damon Bell. Mm, I don't think I do. Is, no. that, Gordon, I, is that Gordon Lightfoot? Gordon no. Lightfoot, yeah. It is, okay. Yeah. I, I did right. at one point know those lyrics. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Have you guys this? Have you guys seen the, the like with the pandemic and everything? There was I I saw it kind of flutter across social media, and then I didn't really look into it. But did you see that old sea shanties were a trending topic? No. Like people were getting together and finding like these sea shanty songs and singing them together or something like that. Huh. Why is that depressing? I know. I, well, yeah. Well, and it sounds average, cold. Your average sea shanty song is very depressing. Aren't they like really dark tales of like the mm -hmm. sea, you know, killing sailors and then yeah, people dying? Like that, yeah. Well, yeah. I I thought that me watching four hours of Gunsmoke a week was a little sad, but that seems sadder. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a communal element to it, and I, I guess. guess I, it sort of makes sense that yeah, these these were sort of in dark times, and and um, there may be something oddly comforting comforting about these sort of Gaelic tunes and mm. the sort of old Irish darkness. I don't know. Now I, now I need to look them up for real and see what the deal is. <laughs> wow. Hey, hey, our guest today is the driving force behind not one but three excellent websites, including 95octane.com. He is Paul Strauss, and he joins us after the first break. We're going to be talking all about the V8 engines in the news this week, and there's a lot of strange V8 engine news. You don't want to miss this conversation, but Damon, you have, uh, you have uh, speaking of depressing, you have an obituary to share with us. Yeah, yeah, some sad news that I think, sad but not unexpected, I guess, news that we need that I think we need to mention. If you, I think everybody knows what a dune buggy is. Yeah. And the uh, creator of the dune buggy, a guy named Bruce Myers, uh, passed away late last week at 94 years old. Uh, he was the inventor of the Myers Manx, which is the original uh, rear engine VW-based dune buggy. Um, 
think that around like 69.70, he, he made the first batch of them. They were an instant sensation. Sadly, he, was, he did not fully copyright or do everything necessary to fully copyright the design. So that original Myers-Manx is probably the most ripped off vehicle in the world. And he never fully received his due financially or otherwise uh, for being the creator of that vehicle. Um, but over the years, he kind of was recognized as the father of it. And uh, I think kind of enjoyed a, a renaissance uh, later in his life. And renaissance is an appropriate word because Bruce Myers was the quintessential renaissance man. Um, we just had John Beale from Collectible Automobile on the show recently. And Collectible Automobile, if you want to look it up, they ran a personality profile on Bruce Myers way back in the December 1999 issue. Oh. Um, and... Uh, or just look him up online. The guy had an amazing, lived an amazing, fascinating life. He was a war hero. He was an accomplished uh, sketch artist. Uh, there's some drawings pictured in that personality profile that are are beautiful. And again, who doesn't love a dune buggy? It's like happiness on wheels. I don't know how you, you can't look at a dune buggy and not say, I want to drive that. That looks like a lot of fun. Now, we have a lot to talk about, but I have a quick question about the Myers-Manx. Um, was that sold as a final product, or was that largely just a kit that was used to convert Volkswagen Beetles? I believe it was both. Um, okay. And okay. Both, its genius and uh, its downfall in terms of being ripped off was that it was amazingly simple. It was just a fiberglass tub that fit over a shortened uh, VW Beetle chassis. So it was simple enough that the average accomplished shade tree mechanic could put one together at home and kind of finish it off as they wanted to. But I, I'm pretty sure Myers sold uh, turnkey examples as well. And of course, like, once the ball got rolling, there were, pro there were I don't want to say hundreds, but there were many, many, many fiberglass outfits that were selling their own knockoffs that basically ripped off the Myers-Banks design. But today we're pouring one out for the guy who basically invented the dune buggy. Indeed. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Damon. Jill, J.D. Power, the good folks at J.D. Power, a, a, a powerhouse of information resources for the auto industry, just released their 2021 dependability study. What is that all about? Yeah, so J.D. Power, um, as you said, is a wealth of, of information, and you know we talk about the initial quality studies occasionally, which is looking at vehicles in the first three months of ownership, but what right. this dependability study does is it looks at three-year-old vehicles in like a year's time. So for the 2021 study, we're actually looking at 2018 vehicles, and the idea is there are, um, they look at 177 specific problems that are grouped into like eight different categories. Uh -huh. And uh, you, you look at these issues and then they come up, you know, they extrapolate, come up with the data and they tell you basically uh, how many problems there are with the vehicle. And, and so I, I think that it's really interesting to note that one, this year's vehicles have less problems than last year's vehicles. So uh, yay, <laughs> the vehicles are getting better. Um, but but also, you know, I, I think one of the key takeaways again is just that, you know, you're seeing manufacturers move up on the list that you haven't seen move up before. And um, I think we're gonna point out there's one automaker that posed a surprise for all of us <laughs> by moving down on the list. It did, and I have an observation to share too that I didn't discuss pre-show that I just, I think is interesting as well. But one of the things about this, and we had talked recently about how this isn't all that predictive, right? This is past performance and past performance mm -hmm. is no indication of future performance, Correct. but still, I, we are talking about manufacturers that are in the business, and I think that this is a, you know, a good resume line for them or not. Uh, but you, you talked about brands moving up on the list. We now have Hyundai and Kia. Mm -hmm. both in the top six, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting. But uh, I should point out before I move on that they ranked both brands and individual models. Yes. So let's just talk about those top brands. Number one, this is no surprise to anyone, most reliable Lexus 
Next, I think will surprise people is Porsche. Mm -hmm. Those are are complicated cars that are often driven hard, and it's just good to know that this sort of legendary brand is still putting together a fine automobile. Next is Kia, relatively newcomer, (laughs) when you think about how old some brands are. Then Toyota, no surprise there. Then Buick, then Cadillac, and then Hyundai. Uh, and the top six. And then Genesis, which is a fairly new brand, top seven. But what I wanted to talk about, guys, are the... Jill, why don't you walk us through the models that they looked at? The the models that they looked at. Um, yeah, so... Um, gosh, I, of course, I'm misorganizing my notes. Um, That's all right, because my notes are a mess <laughs> as well. But they, they basically broke these down into categories not too different from the Consumer Guide Best Buy categories. But in the first category, compact car, yes. this isn't going to be very useful information to anybody. <laughs> no, because <laughs> this car doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> the Volkswagen Beetle. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, the highest ranked compact car is the Volkswagen Beetle. Um, it, okay, so actually, I just want to take a second as I'm scanning these, uh, and, and two of the vehicles on this list no longer exist anymore. Um, yeah. When you look at like compact car, and then you go to the midsize car, you've got the um, Kia Optima, which is the highest ranked vehicle, which as we know, we've talked about previously, was replaced by the K5. Right. Uh, but then the compact premium car, um, again, probably no surprise, the highest ranked vehicle is Lexus ES. And then midsize premium car is the Genesis G80. Um, and then the, the midsize sporty car is Camaro. Okay, I need to, I need to talk about this. Like every other category segment has three vehicles on it, and this one only has two. Which, which suggests what to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other one that might be on this list did really badly because it's got the top one is the Chevrolet Camaro and then the Dodge Challenger. So my question is, where's the Ford Mustang? Yeah, I don't know what else would be on this list, <laughs> but we need to see the complete list. But I'm pretty sure Camaro, Challenger, and Mustang are all the cars. That, that might uh, be probably. Yeah. Probably. Man, I'm, uh, I'm looking. I'm, lo- I'm sorry. I got to interject. I'm looking at the most dependable model on this uh this specific model oh, yeah. and I'm seeing that's the Porsche 911 and my gears are turning like, hmm, honey, if we want the most, <laughs> yeah, it's really want dependable. The most dependable model, I, I guess we're kind of, we, we got to go with, with picking up a 911, a three-year-old 911. <laughs> yeah. Three, well, hey, it'll be affordable then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the depreciation. And so, you know, it's just I'm, pure, pure yeah. logic. Yeah. And resale value is good, so it's all there. Sure. I wanted to talk about Oh, go ahead, Damon. I'm sorry. I just said I just said smart purchase. Exactly. You can't go wrong buying a nine (laughs) eleven. Exactly. I I wish my wife listened to the show. Um, I want to talk about something because we've addressed it before. Um, the Toyota Tundra is is not a modern vehicle by most standards. In mm. fact, it's going to be redesigned next year, but it has gone a very, very long time without being redesigned. And yet it sells surprisingly well, given how little marketing support for, there is for it. Uh, and and here, here's part of the reason why. It is the most reliable pickup truck, uh, according to J.D. Power. And mm. what's interesting about that, I think, is it, it has an incredibly loyal following. And I happen to be driving a Tundra right now. And yeah, it's the connectivity is not there. It's not especially quiet. The interior is not especially high end, but it does feel stout and solid. And the drivetrain is bulletproof. I just love that big V8 attached to a six-speed automatic. There's a lot there to like, and you can see how the Tundra is succeeding in the segment, and the Nissan Titan is not. Uh, I think there's just a lot going on here in terms of reputation and just general feel. But kudos to Toyota for nailing that one down. What's surprising to me, too, is that in midsize pickup, the Toyota Tacoma didn't get it. No, it's it's not even on the list. Yeah, it's not on the list. Hmm. But the the ancient Nissan Frontier. Well, it wasn't so ancient in 2018. I mean, it was still ancient, but no, it, it was wasn't as ancient. It was still ancient. <laughs> it was still ancient. Well, didn't we decide it? That was like 2004 was when that was last uh, redesigned. So, yeah, okay, it was ancient. Yeah. 
But didn't yeah. this is this this is something that we talked about when we had Jake Fisher of Consumer Reports on the show. It's that push pull against hey, if you want a super dependable vehicle, your odds are probably better of getting one if you settle for something that is not cutting edge, that doesn't have the latest and greatest stuff because the, the vehicles that manufacturers have been building for a while, they've ironed out those kinks. They've ironed out the glitches that inevitably happen with all new components and technology. Yeah. So we're out of time here, but I want to talk about two things very quickly. Compact SUV was the Buick Envision. I point this out because the Envision is the only vehicle on this list that was built in China. So if you think that there's some problem with vehicles being imported from China, and very few are, clearly there's not. Additionally, and this was a point that Jill was going to make earlier, we were surprised by how down, how low on the list Honda was as a brand. But on the list of specific models, just pointing this out, because I don't think people would have expected this, there are six Chevys listed and just one Honda. Mm-hmm. So the world's a changing place and reliability may not be the most predictable thing in the whole world. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Paul Strauss of many different websites. You don't want to miss this conversation. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show where I strongly recommend you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. If you've seen a cool, old, fun, weird car on the road, post a picture of it on Twitter. Use the car spotter hashtag, and I will share that with my followers. All right, he is the driving force behind three worthy websites, theawesomer.com, technobob.com, and our favorite, 95octane.com. He is Paul Strauss. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Paul, uh, we are officially calling you a friend of the show. Um, you have no say in that. We're just going to latch on to that, and uh, uh, we're going to hang on the coattails of your good reputation. <laughs> Well, I like to be your guy's friend. <laughs> does, does does Paul get a sash for that? Do we have like an official? Band? I was a blazer. Ooh. Remember, we're talking oh, about the yellow blazer. blazers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So, so okay. Paul, tell us. You have three. Somehow, you you manage three different websites. Tell us about those. So yeah, there's a lot of juggling of of balls in the air between the three sites. But yeah, the Osmer <laughs> is uh, men's lifestyle and entertainment website that's our biggest website and it really covers everything soup to nuts that guys and just about anybody else likes but it's really uh about you know it's about cars it's about gadgets it's about movies it's about video games uh it's about humorous videos it's a little bit of everything uh so that's number one number two is technobob which is gadgets and geek culture so you know all kinds of strange and unusual things on the market, not just, you know, what's the latest cell phone, but what are the the strange things popping out of uh, Japanese video game companies and things like that. Cool. Uh, And then there's 95 Octane, which is simply cars that do not suck. Um, That's (laughs) our motto, and uh, the the goal is to feature vehicles that we think are worthy of, you know, anyone. And so whether it's a high-end performance car or a daily driver, you know, it's all about quality vehicles. So, so then the big difference between 95 Octane and Consumer Guide, without naming them, uh, we would cover cars that suck. <laughs> <laughs> we cast a wider net. <laughs> we, <laughs> well, your sites are all awesome and people should check them out. Paul, there is some interesting news, some interesting conversation in the wake of the news yesterday. Uh, I saw a lot of it on Facebook, actually, and you may have been involved in it. And the question came out. Uh, the question being asked was whether or not what happened to Tiger Woods was a good thing or bad thing for the company Genesis, a, a company which did not have that much brand recognition 40 hours ago. Uh, but I know you have some thoughts on the matter. 
We should. We yeah, should. So, men- so I just. Re- I just recently we was should- behind the wheel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, we should just. Sorry. We should mention first what exactly happened to Tiger Woods. If you've been living under a rock, uh, <laughs> he had a pretty right? significant uh, accident uh, in a Genesis GV80 uh, new luxury SUV. Uh, I think he's kind of sponsored by Genesis, and it was in conjunction with a, uh, a golf tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the vehicle itself was actually part of the sponsorship, so he was driving a Genesis-provided uh, vehicle that was there for the tournament. Yeah. So, yeah. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, that's fine. So uh, I'll start off by saying I just literally last week had a GV80 here as my driver my my daily driver for a week and uh it's a fantastic vehicle it's one of the nicest suvs i've been in in recent years extremely luxurious uh loaded with technology it's a really really nice car so you know my first sort of gut reaction was is this going to be bad for the brand that this happened because it's it's such a great vehicle and you know there's this whole like all publicity is good publicity but you you gotta wonder if like the first thing that somebody hears about a brand is, oh, was it a crash? You know, yeah, or, or involved in something untoward. But I think that the, my general feeling is that it's actually turning out to be a positive in that, you know, there's, you, know, you had the, the uh, officer who was there on the scene talking about how he rescued Tiger and got him out of the car and that he's seen cars with less damage and fatalities in that exact same situation. Um, and so the fact that he was lucid and, and yes, he, he suffered some pretty serious injuries, but at the end of the day, the car saved his life. I mean, had the technology there, the airbags, the um, whatever other safety systems might have kicked in, which we don't know at this point, um, during the crash, um, you know, obviously had a positive impact. On, and, and if you look at the wreckage, you see the crumple zones did what they needed to do. They protected the occupant in the cabin, yeah. which is pretty impressive mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I think in, in the end, it's, it's a positive message. It's a question of how is the news media going to spin it? You know, there, I've seen so many different ways of covering it. I've seen some articles that just said, you know, Tiger Woods was in a Genesis. And then there are other ones that say, well, no, the vehicle actually was, had a positive impact on, on his outcome. So I don't know. What do you guys yeah. think? I, I would agree with your take in that I, I think it's a net positive for Genesis for a couple reasons. One, uh, Tiger Woods, a uh, legendary sports celebrity, is driving a Genesis. Now, those of us more familiar with how these things work know that he probably didn't buy it of his own accord. It was probably given to him for promotional reasons. But the John Q. Public thinks, oh, that's a vehicle that he went out and sought out and bought. Uh, And two, I don't follow Tiger Woods particularly closely, but I know that this is not the first high profile uh, accident he's he's been in. So if there's a track record on the celebrities part of of getting in uh, accidents, mm, I think that might weigh heavily in people's minds uh, over the fact uh, of over the, the what actual vehicle he was driving. So, Damon, are you saying that Genesis makes good vehicles for people who are unlucky? <laughs> uh, I I don't know if I would say. I, obviously, okay. we don't know all the facts, but the the previous accident he had was in a Cadillac Escalade. It was certainly not as severe as this one. And if I remember right, he was on some sort of he was like incapacitated at some level yeah. behind the wheel, maybe driving from under the influence. Of, yeah, of of some sort of prescription. Yeah. Uh, muscle i don't know what it was but painkiller yeah and he was yeah and so he was not uh following recommended labels or whatever didn't realize how much the the painkillers would affect him yada 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 but uh, yeah when you have like a high profile celebrity like that there's always was this uh you know abuse or or was this you know all on the up and up so i think just his track record, like any high-profile high person's track record, is going to be more scrutinized than the, the vehicle itself. And as Paul said, the, I think everything about the vehicle did what it was supposed to do. 
I, I was a guest yesterday on a different, well, yesterday and day before we recorded this podcast, talking about the crash on a different radio show. And one of the things that I quickly became aware of was that Genesis was largely an unknown brand to many people. And I think that it is now a much better known brand. So mm-hmm. if, if sure. you're making lemons out of lemon or lemonade out of lemons, uh, <laughs> that might be what came out of here. Mm-hmm. I would Paul, like to see you make lemons out of lemonade. <laughs> How do you? That's like magic. How do you even do that? You're putting toothpaste back in the tube there. Um, but Paul, you had, you had originally wanted to talk a little bit about all the V8 news, and you had you wanted to sort of express the sentiment that the V8 engine is not dead just yet. So what what is going on in the world of V8 engines? Well, sure. So so it's an interesting time because we're sort of on this precipice of more and more electric vehicles, more and more, you know, turbocharged sixes and turbo fours and yeah. you know, a move away from the big heavy V eights because of fuel economy and emissions and all this stuff. You know, the Jaguar Land Rover announced they're shifting to, you know, all electric in, you know, the next five to ten years, depending on sort of how you look at it. And so it's an interesting time because all of a sudden in the you know, leading up to this, we're starting to see car companies coming out with these you know, kind of bonkers V8-powered uh, sports cars and performance variants of their cars, you know, and there's nothing really like a V8, right? You've got these great exhaust notes, you've got sort of brutish performance, and you don't have any of the, the issues that typically come with turbocharging. You know, there's no lag. There's It's just this sort of instant go. Um, so I'm a huge V8 fan. I drive a car with a supercharged V8 myself, and it's just... It's a lot of fun. So, you know, out of out of the announcements, I think the the first one was the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392, um, yeah. which is the first time in a while we've we've seen a V8, a, a production V8 in a Wrangler, um, and that's got that six point six point four liter Hemi in it. And uh, you know, Solantis uh, uh, has done a good job putting that engine in a lot of things. And, you know, that thing's got 470 horsepower. Um, somehow they managed to get the same amount of torque out of it, so 470 on torque. And they've loaded it with all of the off-road capability of the Rubicon. So it's it's a, you know, it seems like a really compelling package because you've got all this tremendous power. So, you know, you can, you can speed down the road and get all that acceleration and use that torque to get you out of difficult situations off-road as well. Um, so it's a really kind of compelling combination. The downside, as we just heard yesterday, was the price. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, which was which was announced at seventy four thousand nine ninety five. Which, when you think about it, there are Jeeps you can get into, get Wrangler you can get into in the upper twenties. So it's right. a it's a very large spectrum of of, of Wrangler, right? So you know that was the first one. The thing that kind of bums me out about this vehicle, not that the 392 isn't very cool, but that it got stuffed, it's it's the high performance version of the Hemi V8, um, and, and it got stuffed into a Rubicon. And I sort of had wished that the 5.7 liter, the more conventional version of the Hemi engine, might have been made available in more conventional versions of the Wrangler that, that would be more affordable and, and more mm. practical for people who just wanted more power in a regular Wrangler. But uh, alas, that is not the case. Yeah, I mean, I think Stellantis, though, has done a good job of repurposing their same motors over and over again in different vehicles, you know, oh, yeah. partially out of necessity. So it's still possible, right? If this thing is really popular and people, there's demand for a V8, that we may see, you know, this is sort of the halo to get people in, excited about it. And maybe we'll see some other variants down the road that, that go with the 5.7 or something. That would be cool. So Lexus and, uh, and Land Rover, they made news too. Yep. So, so Lexus has the IS 500F Sport Performance, which is a mouthful, um, <laughs> which is basically, which is basically what used to be simply the Lexus ISF back right. in you know the late 2000s, uh, you know 2008 to 2014 or so. Um, but the exciting news about this is that they've got that same fantastic V8 that's in the um, LC 500 and the RCF and the GSF which is just a, a beautiful sort of growly five-liter V8 that you wouldn't think a luxury brand known for, like, smooth and comfortable rides 
would be stuffing into their cars, but they do, and it's kind of bonkers. You know, they loaded it up. You know, they got the quad exhaust. They got a loaded slip diff in there. They've got adaptive suspension. Plus, it's lighter than all of the other V8 Lexus models. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to drive this one because it's, you know, they, they have a tendency to be kind of heavy cars, right? You got 4,200, 4,300 pounds in these other models. This one's like 38-something. It's not exactly spelt, but <laughs> it should be a fun car to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of fun to drive, I don't know if you ever had the opportunity to drive the previous ISF, but I mean, that is probably one of my all-time favorite vehicles of, of you know the twenty years that I've been driving new cars, just because of its smaller size and the high horsepower engine. And you know, it was really funny back in the day when I was, I, I think I was in an ISF, and an ISF passed me. Um, and the license plate on that car was you too slow. <laughs> uh, but but no, I mean I, I think it's it's um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, I, I was in the original in the ISF before, and it, it's a pretty wild car. Uh huh. What some speculation Road and Track is announcing, uh, or I read on Road and Track this morning about the IS F Sport five liter, whatever it's called, is <laughs> that the fact that they didn't call it ISF is an indication that a higher performance version is likely on the horizon, and that Lexus yeah. is working on a twin turbocharged four liter V eight for both the LC, which is the large luxury coupe Grand Tourer, and possibly for this vehicle. So we may be seeing even more horsepower. V8 horsepower under the hood of an IS in the near future. Yeah, and I got some clarification on the whole naming convention at Lexus this week. So there is the F-Sport line, which is a mix of cosmetics and handling. So it might have a sport suspension and and aesthetic changes. The F-Sport performance is that plus a change to the drivetrain. So, you know, more horsepower, uh, uh, maybe some other, you know, uh, limited diff, things like that. And then at the top of the line is the F. So you're going to get the most sort of over-the-top high-end performance. So, so to your point, it's quite possible we'll see an IS500F or an ISF or some variant of that naming uh, down the road that could have more, even more power. Well, I'm looking forward to that news. And then finally, Land Rover made a little V8 news this week, too, Paul. Yeah, so this is uh, one I'm super excited about. So the Defender V8 is back. It's been quite some time since we had a V8 Defender. The Defender 90, which I've yet to drive, the Defender 110, which I have driven, is a great vehicle as well, uh, are both going to be available with a 5-liter supercharged V8. Um, It's the same engine that... Jaguar and Land Rover love to stuff into everything. It's in the F-Type. It's in the Range Rover FBR. Uh, it's a great engine. It's got an awesome exhaust note. And this thing looks amazing in the two-door. The, the Defender 90, you know, that short wheelbase. You've got that big engine under the hood. It's going to do 0 to 60 in, like, upper fours, um, which is pretty bonkers for something you can take off-road. Um I think that the one thing that was kind of shocking to me is that they're like the standard wheels on this are 22 inch. Yes. And I'm like, who, who's going to go off road with 22 yeah. inch wheels? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by, by what. Bonkers. We're in the midst of this ridiculous retreat. Not ridiculous. It, it's absolutely sensible. But we're retreating from gasoline uh, vehicles, ICE, internal combustion engines, at, at an amazing pace. We're going to see all sorts of electric cars coming out. And yet there is this wonderful swan song for high-performance V8 engines taking place. And I, for one, welcome this on the way out. <laughs> yes, we can all stock up on them before they go away. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in plastic bags. Yeah, and I think this sort of circles back to something that that Paul mentioned, or, or Tom, you mentioned earlier, the lament about, you know, the the Wrangler Rubicon three ninety two. It's the it's the mus more muscular Hemi and not the base Hemi. I think that's what we're seeing. Is I, I've heard it sort of said that. Um, you know, as we move further into these electric type vehicles, the old fashioned brawny V8s are going to be more and more kind of the playthings of, of rich people. Yeah. Uh, just like horses were when we switched mm. from horses to cars in the first place. 
Uh, so the, the V8s that we're still seeing come out, we're not seeing budget price five liter Mustangs. We're seeing top line, you know, uh, decked out Lexus models, Land Rovers, because that's how manufacturers can make them profitable at the relatively small production numbers that they, they'll have. Yeah, I hadn't yeah, thought about that. But yeah, this is this is the land of profitability now. If you're going to make these things, they have to be specialty. They have to appeal to people who want the last of a line or the most the most absurd over the top version of something. Yeah, you're, you're limited right. edition collectibles. There are no budget uh, cloth interior SRT Mopar vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Paul, we want to thank you for visiting with us today. We are flat out of time. Tell us again about your three websites and, and what we should be checking out there. Sure. So there's The Awesomer at theawesomer.com, uh, which, you know, cool stuff for guys and really everybody. Uh, we've got Technobob at technobob.com for gadgets and gizmos and geek stuff and 95octane.com for cars that do not suck. Excellent. <laughs> and again, at Consumer Guide, we periodically cover cars that do suck. All right. He's Paul Strauss. You want to check out his stuff. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's quiz time. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. I am very grateful you stuck around. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. Jill, you're active on Hacksaw. How can the kids follow you there? <laughs> um, Hacksaw. You know, that sounds like a, a, a website for, like, serial killers or something. Um no, I'm not active there. Uh, so uh, that, that would be uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube. I'm totally active in all of those places. And you can find me um, at Jill Simonello. So just my first and last name, all one word. And if Simonello is too hard to spell, um, look up the hashtag car du jour. So kind of like soup du jour, but just putting car in the beginning. Sounds good. Damon, you're a hacker. What's the deal? <laughs> Doesn't sound good. <laughs> what what would hack is is hacksaw like a social network for DIY woodworkers or something? Oh. Why would um, it be called hacksaw? I didn't look into it. I don't know. Oh, hmm. you didn't fully research this made up social media network. <laughs> You know, no, Damon, I prepared all sorts of stuff about the lyrics to Edmund Fitzgerald. You didn't ask about that, but no, you're asking well, let's about circle, <laughs> Let's circle back to it. No, I, no, too late now. Oh, that, that, ship is still, that ship has literally sailed. Oh, no uh, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, just to bring it back around, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars. Sounds good. All right, it's quiz time, boys and girls. I hope you're ready. Today's, yes. Quiz, yes. Topic, today's quiz topic is model names. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Okay. All right. This question goes to Damon first. Damon, per Toyota, the word Camry is derived from the word Kanmori, which means what? Does it mean crown, goldfish, lotus, or lunch meat? Wait, what? <laughs> you mean Corona, don't you? No. Con the word Camry is derived from the word Kanmori. This is per Toyota. I always thought Camry was a uh, mix. They mixed up the letters to my car. That is <laughs> not what I'm reading. Hmm. We're going to have to follow up on that. All right. Uh, go. I'm sorry. So uh, can you read the question again? Sure. Per Toyota, the word Camry is derived from the word Kanmori, which means what? Crown, goldfish, lotus, or lunch meat? I guess I will say crown because there is the Toyota Corona, um, and if the Camry was conceived as Amer an American Corona, then uh, I will say crown. There is also a Toyota model in Japan called the Crown. Yeah. Jill, same question to you. Does Kanmori mean crown, goldfish, lotus, or lunch meat? 
Well, I would really, really love to say lunch meat because that would be awesome. And I'm hungry right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I apologize if you hear my stomach growling in the background because I really am seriously hungry. Um, So thanks for the lunch meat comment. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, crown kind of makes sense to me, but I, you, you said crown, uh, lunch meat. (laughs) I can't get lunch meat out of my head. And uh, then it was what were the other two? Goldfish and lotus. I kind of want to say goldfish. All right, final answer then. Yeah. Yeah, the correct answer is in fact crown. Damon's on the board with one. Hmm. All right. All right, Jill. This question goes to you, Jill. Okay. Golf, Passat, Jetta, and Scirocco are all Volkswagen model names. What else are they? Are they birds, spices, winds, or just random names? <laughs> um, I, I am not very good with birds. I was going to come up with a very fancy name. I forget what that is even. So, um, like, aviast? I don't know. Um, so you said birds, random. Birds, spices, winds, or just random names? Wind? Winds, yep. Yep. Ooh, that could be interesting. I'm going to go with winds. All right. Damon, same question to you. Golf, Passat, Jetta, and Scirocco are Volkswagen model names. What else are they? Are they birds, spices, winds, or just random names? Uh, I'm going to agree with Jill. I'm pretty sure those are those are uh, trade wins. Damon, you are correct. Jill, you are correct. You are both on the board. Jill has one. Damon has two. We go to question three. Damon, Denali isn't just a premium GMC trim level. It's also a giant hunk of rock. According to the U.S. Park Service, the mountain called Denali is the third most isolated peak on Earth. Where is Denali located? Is it Alaska, Appalachia, Oregon, or Washington State? Uh, I believe it is Alaska. And Jill, there, same question to you. Isn't there a f- isn't that referred to fudge in some way too? <laughs> oh, you're just trying to make my stomach growl so you can hear it. Oh, I I'm that. sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't even thinking about that. Lunch <laughs> meat and fudge. Yeah, I know. You sound like a pregnant woman's cravings. Oh, going to be about food. <laughs> no, I just haven't had lunch yet. Okay, um, focus, kids. Focus. I'm focusing. Um, it's definitely Alaska because uh, when I was there, that was the last big trip I took with my husband before lockdown happened was to Alaska, and I was kicking myself that we did not take the day trip to Denali. Denali is a giant hunk of rock in Alaska. You guys both get a point. It is now two to three in favor of Damon. Question four goes to Jill. Jill, what is a Corvette? Is it a small pistol, a small sword, a small warship, or a hip-hop dance move? (laughs) I want it to be a hip-hop dance move. Um, Let's invent one. Let's invent one. We can do that. Um... (laughs) I'll get to work on that this afternoon. Uh, so you you said a fish, a warship, what? I, I did not say fish. Dang. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I did not say fish. A small pistol, a small pistol. sword, a small sword. warship, or a hip hop dance move. Pistol, warship, sword. Um, I I'm gonna go with. I, I don't think it's a pistol. Um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Warship. Damon, same question to you. Uh, I will agree. Warship. Okay. Damon has gotten every question right. Jill has only lost one. It's three <laughs> to four. The last question goes to Damon. Anyone can win this question. Damon, it's a friendly, compact Subaru to us. Turns out Impreza is a real word in Polish. What does Impreza mean in the land of Kazmir Pulaski? Does it mean party? <laughs> Potato, sausage, or handbag? Oh boy, I boy, you threw me for a loop with this one. Can you read the options again? I can. Party, potato, sausage, handbag. That's Polish. <laughs> I don't think it's intentionally Polish. It just turns out to be a Polish word. Oh. I will. I I have no idea, but I will guess party. All right, Jill. Same question to you. Um. So, what? what give me the four options one more time. 
party, potato, sausage, and handbag? Um, I don't think it's going to be sausage or handbag, um, but I could see it being party. Wait, I don't think it's sausage or the middle one. Again, hungry. Um, the other middle one, but I, it could be party or handbag is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't know Polish at all. Um, if you'd gone in the Spanish direction, I probably could have made a better guess. Um, I'm, uh, you know, well, just, I mean, not that stalling. it matters. You're just stalling. Yeah, I am. I am kind of stalling. I'm like, not that it matters. I'm going to lose anyway. Um, but because I was like, well, I'm going to make it interesting. But uh, yeah, I'll make it interesting anyway. I'll, I'll go with handbag. Oh, you should not have made it interesting. It was, in fact, pretty. <laughs> Damon. I think this is your first five for five performance of the year. Jill, four for five. This uh, is the most points scored in a single game this year. But still, we go to the bonus question because that's what we do. <laughs> is it going to involve food? It is. Dang it is going to involve food. <laughs> All right. Jill, this goes to you. Jill, one of the most popular candy bars in the U.S. is the <laughs> Kit Kat. Okay. Turns out it's even more popular in Japan. The name Kit Kat sounds very familiar or very similar to Kito Katsu, which in Japanese means good luck. As a result, the Kit Kat has taken on an almost mystical presence in Japan, and Nestle has created literally hundreds of varieties, mm -hmm. of which many are currently available. Which of the following is not a currently available Kit Kat variety in Japan? Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to tell you this fun fact first. In 2010, the most popular variety was, I kid you not, soy sauce. Ooh. Mm. All right. Which of the following is not a currently available Kit Kat variety in Japan? Chestnut, cough drop, baked <laughs> potato, Texas barbecue. <laughs> All of those sound horrible. Um, why couldn't you tell me about the green tea one that I know, in fact, is a Kit Kat variety? It is. Um, that, that one I know. Um, they all sound just utterly hideous, and my stomach is no longer growling. <laughs> um, okay, so you said Texas barbecue. What were the other your choices, ones? Your choices are, your options are chestnut, cough drop, baked potato, Texas barbecue. Yeah, the only one sounds like one that I would want to eat is the chestnut, so I'm going with that one. You, but that's the fake one? Yeah, because that's the okay. only one I'd want to eat. All mm. the others sound Dan? completely awful. <laughs> that's my logic. logic. That's my logic. Yes. All right. Bad strategy. Damon, same question to you. I, th I think I got to go with cough drop, although I wouldn't put it past the Japanese to have uh, <laughs> a menthol Kit Kat. I think I got to go cough drop. What are those cherry cough drops that we used to eat as candy as kids? Were those Ludens? Uh, Ludens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can still get them. They have like multi-tropical multi flavored ones now. Well, it turns out that cough drop is, in fact, a variety of Kit Kat, as is chestnut, as is baked potato. The fake was Texas barbecue. No one gets the bonus point. Damon Bell, an autographed copy of the quiz is uh, going to end up on your desk someplace. Okay. Does it actually? I, now I have to know. Does a does a cough drop Kit Kat actually soothe your throat and fix your cough? I doubt it. Does it have actual medicinal qualities? I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to pass along the the research websites you've looked this stuff up on. Actually, all of this came from the British tabloid The Sun. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's where I got this information. So there you go. Hey, Damon. Yes. What's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog this week? Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, good new articles up. Uh, topping the list, I would say, is one that we just uh, we just put up a first spin on the all new redesign for 2021 Buick Envision. Uh, that is Buick's made in China, uh, as we discussed uh, in the yeah. first segment. A made in China compact it's SUV. And it is topical and it's all new for 2021. Uh, great looking new compact SUV. Not that the previous gen was bad looking, but the this new model is a lot. It's lower, wider, and much swoopier looking. Uh, it very much reminds me of that Buick Avista compact uh, concept vehicle that came out about five or six years ago in the the front end styling. 
Uh, turbocharged 2.0 liter four-cylinder with 228 horsepower and a nine-speed transmission. That's the uh, standard powertrain. You can get one in front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Uh, so we've got a, a full review of that. Uh, we've got test drives on the refreshed for 2021 Chrysler Pacifica in the yeah. top new mm-hmm. top-line trim level called Pinnacle. Uh, that one, one of the added features is a uh, handy item for parents. There's a fam cam, wide-angle camera that uh, gives you a, a view of the rear seating area. And even if you have a kid in a rear-facing car seat, a baby in a rear-facing car seat, the camera, the fam cam is so wide-angle that it can give you a view of that. Which, if you've had an infant in a car that you're trying to get to sleep, and you want to subtly check in on them, that is a godsend. <laughs> uh, so there's a full uh, test drive review of that. Also, we've got a quick spin on the t- Toyota Highlander Hybrid Platinum. Uh, great three-row midsize SUV with a very impressive uh, hybrid powertrain. Uh, and in terms of an older Toyota, we've got a photo feature on Man, this is a gorgeous vehicle that I didn't yeah. fully appreciate when it was new, but looking at it now, what a what a knockout uh, styling job. That's the 71 Toyota Celica ST hardtop coupe. That is a beautiful car. It really is. And, and there you could say that a lot of Japanese vehicles around that time, a lot of them were very weird looking, uh, <laughs> just kind of awkward styling. But this is just a gorgeous vehicle, I think was probably uh, Toyota designers are probably influenced, at least in part, by the Mustang. Um, so it definitely got beautiful long hood, short deck uh, proportions. So, and the example we have in the photo features is an especially nice example. Uh, it's funny how much, yeah, I was just go going ahead. to say, it's, it's funny how much time we had to put between us and that car for, for what we now call Japanese design to sort of have become clear. But, yeah. But, but there was some very, very clear Japanese distinctive elements to that vehicle. And I don't know. I don't know. I think at the time, no one appreciated what was going on there. But now, you know, thanks to the, the, the beauty of hindsight, we see that these some of these cars, some of these Japanese cars were truly amazing. Awesome looking. Yep. Yeah. And speaking just real quick uh, the, to wrap it up. And speaking of uh, unconventional Japanese design, we've got a review flashback on one of my favorite vehicles of the early 2000s that's the original scion xb the kind of box on wheel compact that that made such a splash when they launched the the scion brand yeah what a strange car and i wish that would have survived and they replaced it with a much less boxy car that didn't lend itself well to youth culture or customizability and i i think actually kind of dragged the saturn brand down or scion brand down but we can talk about that at some time in the future guys thanks again we are completely out of time um for people uh, who want to reach us, remember you can reach us at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think of the show. Thanks to our guest today, Paul Strauss. Check out his stuff at 95 Octane, Technobob, and The Awesomer. Thanks as always to Jill and Damon. A tip of the hat to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AMA 20 in Chicago. And a hearty hand wave to my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. Hey guys, let's talk about cars again next week.